like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast. This week you have a bonus episode because you have me, Leo, and Chris. Look, Chris is back from the dead. Yay! He does exist. (laughs) (laughs) This week is a little different than any other week. This time we have the most guests we've ever had at one time. We have three guests today. Uh, We have three current members of the Army Marksmanship Unit on the show and let's bring them in and give a, a warm welcome to Sergeant John Browning. I'm sorry. Yeah, Staff Sergeant John Browning, Staff Sergeant Tyler Payne and Sergeant Jacob Hetherington. Say hello guys. Hello. hello. What's going on? So if you're watching this on YouTube, that is Jacob on the left, John in the middle and Tyler on the right. All right. Uh, before, we go any further, um, Chris and Leo, if me and the guys from the Army Marksmanship Unit start talking too much military lingo and we're not explaining what we're talking about, chime in. Let us know. Yeah, the upside is I generally am the one that's like, I, nobody knows what that means except you guys. So I got gotcha. you. <laughs> All right. So, guys, we usually ask a few personal questions to get to know our guests first. So for the first five questions, we'll make this easy and we're going to go as I'm looking at it left to right. So from Jacob over to Tyler. And then after that, they'll be more specific to each of you and we'll we'll go that way. So number one, favorite movie. Uh, That's tough. My favorite movie is probably going to be. Um, night and day, because um, I think it's a, a really exciting movie, basically. Okay. Okay. It's a good choice. That's a hard one. I got a lot of really good movies I like. Uh, Tombstone is probably up there. Top three. Yeah. Very good movie. That's Tombstone. awesome. Uh, Pulp Fiction's really good if you're into that. Uh, same Private Ryan. I don't really have a really all-time favorite movie, but those those are probably top on my list for sure. But those are very good classics right there. I'm gonna have to say John Wick. I uh, get a lot of my shooting technique from John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and since you shoot PRS, I guess you use a lever action because that's about what John would use. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that Savage 338. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> Favorite book? Uh, I like With Winning in Mind by Laney Basham. I think it's helped me the most in my mental game. Um, and I don't really read for fun, so... 
We have we've discovered that a lot about the military shooting teams. There's a lot of uh, reading how to be a winner and how to like have a manual and read that. So that's okay. Uh, I, mean, I wouldn't really have a favorite book either. I just finished Killing Japan by Bill O'Reilly. Uh, that was a really good read. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. But, uh, Outliers, I read that a while back too. That's a really good one. Uh, but no, I don't really read all that much. I, I read a lot of news articles, stuff like that. I, I do read those quite a bit. But as far as a legit book, I don't really read a lot of books. Um, just speed read a lot of stuff. If I remember correctly, Leo, if I'm wrong, didn't one of the Williams sisters read Bill O'Reilly? Yes, uh, Justine. Yeah. I believe. As a teenager. So yeah. you're in good company. Sure. Yeah. He's got lots of the, the, uh, the kill the campaigns. He just calls them killing whatever, Germany and all that. He's, I guess he's trying to turn into a historian, kind of like Newt Gingrich, but we'll see. Okay. Less Jabba the Hutt looking. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Newt, if you're listening. <laughs> the off chance that you're listening to the show. <laughs> All right, Tyler, what you got? Oh, uh, probably <laughs> thirteen cent killers. Probably my favorite. I've actually read a couple times. What's it called again? 13 cent killers. Hmm. Kind of sent okay. as in the money or sent as in we sent you somewhere? No, sent as in money. It okay. There's a lot about how, you know, an average cost of a round back then was like 13 cents. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. okay. I'm tracking now. That's an older book. Yeah. So this is our secret way of, of increasing our reading list because every time we ask this question, we're all like, oh, I'm going to read that. I'm going to read yeah. that. So yeah. thank you guys. Our, our list grows and it never gets shorter. Yeah. Because I don't think we've read one yet either. So yeah, I'm going to change my bar into like a bookshelf. Maybe. There we go. We'll just add each book to it. Right. As we go. <laughs> All right. So this is a Huggy special. Yep. Who is your favorite superhero? Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to go with Iron Man because he created all this stuff himself and wasn't like bit by a spider to become great. He built it all himself. So Iron Man. You like it? Good choice. I don't know, man, the superhero thing. I I don't know. I don't know. Back in the day, the the scene with Superman holding up the uh, the commercial airliner. I'm gonna have to go with Superman. All right. He's holding up the whole yeah airliner with one hand, and that'd be pretty legit if you could really do that. That is pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was like back in the Christopher Reeves. Yes, before he fell off a horse and broke his back. Correct. Apparently, that was his kryptonite. Gravity. Yeah. Rest in peace, R.I.P. Christopher Reeves. I'm going to have to go to Superman as well. I mean, it took like five superheroes just to kind of be close to taking out Superman. So, yeah. No Captain America, huh? His superpower was a shield, man. 
<laughs> this is, wow. You're not wrong. You're not Throwing wrong. Throwing shade on Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I've not had anybody do that yet. That was impressive. Through a building or something? Is that all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, that's awesome. I can't say. I'm like, I'm writing that down. <laughs> all he does is throw a shield. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So your favorite gun and caliber, and they're they don't have to be the same. Like you don't have to say 1911 and 45. It could be a 1911 and 65 Creedmoor or, or whatever. Um, I think my favorite gun is probably just going to be like an AR-15, and my favorite caliber is a 22 long rifle. Oh wow. Okay. Now why why twenty two? Uh it's the most fun to shoot, in my opinion. It is fun to shoot. Yeah. Okay. Can't can't disagree with you. And it's cheap and you can actually get it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very true. That, that helps. Uh, my favorite caliber is by far the twenty two long rifle. Um my favorite gun, man, that's a hard one. That's almost like favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> all of them. Right. <laughs> uh, the Burger 1022, really. They're just yeah. That's, that was my second. I have to say, my favorite gun is the Ruger 1022, and my favorite caliber is the 22. Uh, you can put three or four hundred rounds in your pocket, and uh, <laughs> you know, there, you just there's no comparison. You can kill all kinds of stuff with it. I mean, yeah, are my favorite. So. I like it. I do too. I like a nice light AR and two two three because you can kill just about anything in America with it. Yeah, and not much more recoil than a twenty two long rifle. Yeah, not much. Okay, I like yeah. it. Good answers. All right. Favorite experience in the army thus far? It can be a duty station. It can be for like Jacob winning nationals. It can be shoot. It can be water at basic training. It can be anything. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have a favorite. I have some memorable experiences. Um, uh, I got a. I was like the honor grad in my basic training. So I got to fly like on the door of a Chinook when everyone else had to like sit back and we flew all over Fort Leonard Wood. And that was pretty cool being, being able to be like the only new guy to fly on the edge of the door. So probably, probably that. CH 47. Yeah. Whatever the Chinook is. <laughs> the, the double prop helicopter, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. The army version is the 47. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've got a lot of very memorable experiences, too. I've met a lot of really awesome people. Uh, but my, I guess the one thing that sticks out the most is, is shooting Mark 11s off of a, uh, a Seahawk out in the middle of the uh, wow. uh, We got to do it basically anytime we wanted to for two or three months uh, with the Navy. That was really fun. We would shoot trash and leftover food. You know, the boat squirts out all the food, you know, we didn't eat out of the galley. And then a sniper team could go up and, and shoot stuff. And the, the dialogue between shooter observer, you know, three or 400 feet off the deck was really cool. You know, he would just circle around. We would shoot to a lot of ammo and he'd land. And then tomorrow we'd do it again. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, wow. 
that's probably the funnest you know experience that sticks out. I mean, I got a lot more than that, but just for time purposes, that's probably the, the one that came. That's to a mind. good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Same with John. We've got to do a lot of really cool stuff with the army. Um, got paid to go to Japan, teach yeah. a bunch of guys how to shoot. That's um, cool. Got to ride around with little birds and do infill, exfill stuff. Just all kinds of really cool stuff. Anything you can think of, really. Got to travel the world. When you say infill, exfill stuff, what, what kind of stuff did you get to do? Did you spy rig? Did you repel? No. Coming in, basically touch and go type stuff. Okay. All right, cool. You guys have gotten around a little bit. I like it. So the next question, we actually had uh, Matt Nash on, and we interviewed him for a bit. And we, the, one of the questions we always ask is, you know, when was the first time you shot? How did you get into shooting? And for him, it wasn't until he joined the Marines and went to boot camp. Now, how about for you guys? When was the first time you guys shot, and how'd you get into shooting? Uh, well, my dad started me out pretty young. Um, right before I turned three, I started shooting with a 1022. Um, and then went squirrel hunting when I was four. And then when, <clears throat> when I turned 10, I shot my first IDPA match. And then when I was 12, I started shooting USPSA. And my dad basically got me into all of it. So. Okay. You didn't happen to live on a farm, did you? That was um, my question. Not live on a farm. No. Okay, but it's it very familiar. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a winning formula that we've discovered. So yeah. I was just curious. Uh, for me, as far as competitions, uh, my first shooting competition was with uh, muzzleloaders, black powder. Um, my dad he builds custom flintlocks and whatnot, and uh, I guess eight or nine was the first match I went to. It was still silhouettes. And uh, the 25, 50, 75, and 100, we would shoot a round ball muzzleloader at silhouettes, you know. And I, I was a junior state champion, uh, whatever year that was, a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> that was my first competition, and then uh, that's, that's pretty much all I did. Then I joined the military, and I found myself at a steel challenge match in 2000 and. 11, I believe, 11 or 12, and that's when it really lit the fire. Uh, I went to a lot of steel challenge from there, and then I, get, a buddy of mine taught me into going to a USPSA match, and that was, I was hooked in. I mean, there's no going it's back. Addiction sealed at that point. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I was out in California, and ever since then, you know, I've just been trying to compete as much as I can and beat as many people as I can. It's, it's a lot of fun. But that's how I got started. Yeah, I don't know how old I was, but I had one of those Red Rider BB guns. I used to walk around. Yeah. And I remember I used to have to put it on the ground and kick the little cocking handle open to cock it. So I don't know how old that is, but it's pretty young. <laughs> kind of graduated up to a 22, walking around, shooting all the critters around. And then my dad got me into shooting. He was the firearms instructor for our area there so I would go out and compete with all the local cops and stuff like that and then gradually got into USPSA and 3-Gun and then finally into PRS. Okay. 
I'm just glad you didn't shoot your eye out. <laughs> Could have been bad. Could have. Could have ended his career before it ever began. Yeah. Crisis averted. <laughs> so did any of you guys ever watch Stripes and think that's what the Army was going to be? Is that again? <laughs> did you ever watch the movie Stripes and think that's what the Army was going to be? Uh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, what? Are you serious? It's yeah, a classic. <laughs> oh, my. All right. I think he's too young. I, I think we're showing our age here. Yeah. We maybe, know maybe, we <laughs> maybe we are. Maybe we are. That just made me feel really old. <laughs> All right. So what, what is your MOS for the three of you? Uh, I'm a 12 Bravo, which is a combat engineer. So a blow in the regular 12 Bravo, we basically clear and create obstacles um, and basically clear the way for everyone else. So, okay. A lot of explosives and math. <laughs> oh, I'm out. Yeah, I can't. You said math. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a bit, a lot more than I expected when I joined. So it's like, what? You just don't put the two wires together and go boom? No? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I feel lied to, but that's okay. I'm going to Bravo, which is infantry and the Army. Um, I did a inter service transfer before I was in the infantry as well, the Marine Corps, for 10 years. So I've just pretty much been in the infantry the whole time. I'm 11 Bravo as well. So, John, were you able to skip basic training? Yeah, it was pretty pretty much seamless. Uh, it was it was bizarre too because I got my DD two fourteen on a Tuesday and then I swore into the army on a Wednesday and uh, went straight to AMU headquarters building that following week. Was, uh, okay. Guess, oh, okay. Oh, this is interesting. So how how, how does that how, how did you get hooked up to go to the AMU? while in the Marine Corps? There's a, a form, a DD form, I'm not going to board you with formalities, but uh, there's some paperwork you can do, at least back then, this was six years ago. I don't know how it is now, but there's an inter-service transfer paper uh, you can do. got to have a two-star to sign it, which I did, and then uh, it authorizes you to set, all, set up your, your transfer to another branch while you're still in so you don't have any broken time. So that's, in a nutshell, how that works. You gotta have the recruiter on point and whatnot. It's a, it's a bit of a paperwork, but. You know. So were you on any of the Marine Corps teams? I was. Yeah, I was on the Marine. Oh, okay. For uh, three years there at Quantico, me and Staff Sergeant Peterson were there at the same time. And uh, really, shooting some three-gun matches, and I met the action team there, and uh, they were gracious enough to give me a tryout here. So obviously I did it and that's that. Very interesting. So what was your MOS and oh you said you were infantry in the so you were 0311? I was 0311 and uh, 0317. Okay. Yeah in the Marine Corps yep. Where did you uh, get your 0317 at? Stone Bay in 2007. Okay. I was an 8541. Yeah, I was the last class to be a 8541. So I was initially that and then 
they did whatever it is they do and change it to 0317. But, uh, so this is going to be that time where I step in and I'm right. like, uh, this is just a bunch of numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, 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 a, in English, what does that mean? It's just your job title. So, but, so what's it's the, the what's scout the, sniper designation? Okay, I wasn't. I didn't want to assume. I like. I kind of knew, but I was like, uh, okay. So basically, <laughs> you shoot good. Hence so Stone, the black shirt. Stone Bay is where Dave Ankeny went as well. Okay, so you guys know. So he went the same place. I was at Quantico for almost four years as a as an instructor there. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good schoolhouse. There's a lot of history there. There is a lot of history there. I'm I'm happy to say I have my name on the Bertoli Trophy, so I'm very happy. That's cool. <clears throat> I was also an 0321. So anyway, enough about that. That's a reconnaissance marine. There you go, guys. Okay. <laughs> I heard Bertoli. All I thought it was pasta. I got really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you guys, AMU is located at Benning, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead real quick. Have you, do you guys during your, I'll say, quote unquote, off season, um, when the competition season kind of slows, do you guys ever get a chance to go to any of the schools there on Benning? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You guys, uh, anybody been to uh, Airborne Pathfinder or Lurslick? No. Not any of us three, but there's other members on the action shooting team that have. So, okay. So, we interviewed Julie Golub a while back, a few months back, and she was talking to us about how she was recruited as a teenager to join the Army and be on the Army Marksmanship Unit. Were you guys recruited? Is that how you ended up at AMU? Yep. All three of us. All of you? Okay. So, Jacob and Tyler, were you guys... Was that before you joined the Army Were you recruited? It was, yeah. Yes. So, how did they find you? Like, how... I, this is still kind of baffling to me, because as uh, John knows, the Marine Corps doesn't do that. That's not how it works in the Marine Corps. So it's still kind of, I find it very intriguing. How did they find you guys and then recruit you? Uh, it's pretty easy. Every match you go to, basically, you're looking at the scores to see how you did. And if you see a junior shooter that's consistently clo getting close to the top, um, they kind of stand out. And then uh, if we need to hire someone, we can contact them and, ask if they want to try out and try and convince them to come join the team. So basically that's the, the best way we, we find people is we look at the scoreboard and um, if your scores are standing out, you're going to get noticed. So. Okay. Like a Gianni. Yeah. yeah like a Gianni. Okay. Oh, uh, just so you know, it's actually Gianni Giordano. <laughs> Sorry. It's an inside joke. Huggy doesn't say people's names right. <laughs> so the the story was we, we interviewed gianni very good kid. young man yeah he, he's awesome and leo was trying to get was trying to get chris to pronounce his name gianni however giordano, giordano. giordano. <laughs> yeah just 
because he has a tendency to mispronounce things. Like he'll say practice score. So, so that's just an, an inside joke there. Sorry. Something I'll never live down, but guess what? I didn't even say his name, so I was good to go. Didn't, yeah. just, didn't slaughter it. So I, I, I think he figured it out and just kept quiet and he didn't say anything. <laughs> so I've learned, see, I was over in Germany for three years and had the, when I first got over there, didn't speak a lick of German, you know, and Still I remember doesn't. trying to talk to a young lady at a, at a bar and everything like that. And so I went up to her and, you know, trying to be, you know, the American, like, I'm like, I'm Chris, what is your name? You know, and she kind of looked at me and she's like, I speak English. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, that ended that. See you. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> so um, names are not the greatest. <laughs> Unless it's like Smith, John, you know, Jacob. Something easy. Yeah. Right. So, Pretty. Jacob, I assume you were shooting uspsa or action pistol of some sort when you got noticed uh yes i was obviously john was shooting with the marine corps now tyler what were you shooting that got you noticed i was shooting three gun okay what what part of the country are you from tyler minnesota ah okay you have a very short shooting season then yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you have like eight months of winter. So, okay. Uh, oh, Minnesota. Ah, <laughs> yeah, Minnesota. You like the hot dishes, huh? <laughs> no, I don't claim that stuff anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like the coils and the ocean. <laughs> so, how long have you guys been on the team? Uh, I've been on the team for like five and a half years now, maybe six. So. Okay. I was just a couple of months before Jacob, uh, so mm -hmm. pretty much same okay. thing. Five and a half, six years. I've been here for 11 years. Wow. Wow, you're like the grand old man of the AMU. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody been there longer than you? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people that have been here. 18, 19, 20 years. People that retired out and still work here as a coach. Or... Oh, wow. That's awesome. Oh. I like that continuity. Hmm. Now, how... When I talked to Scott, that was his name, right? Peterson? Yep. Okay. When I talked to him, he was saying what you guys shoot, but you also, like he said... Uh, Jacob and John, you guys also shoot three gun. So, uh, yeah. Sometimes we get uh, the opportunity to shoot both uh, three gun and USPSA. It just depends on the year and the scheduling. Um, and if it works out, we can shoot both uh, three gun and USPSA. Now, Tyler, you, you shoot PRS. Do you shoot three gun still as well? I do every now and then. We try to do as much cross training as we can because a lot of our job is actually instructing the soldiers, like taking what we learn here and bringing it back. So when we go and teach, we don't want a guy who can only teach one thing. We want a guy that at least has a general knowledge of everything that we do. So if one of the instructors is focusing on one student, 
whoever else is with them helping isn't just lost. They, they have an understanding of what we're doing. So we try to train as much as possible in all the other disciplines as well. Okay. That, that actually, I have a question further down. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that now then, um, because it's a perfect lead in for it. So I, I had done when I was at my time at Quantico, I was part of several mobile training teams. Is that why you guys shoot different disciplines? Do you guys go on mobile training teams during the slower part or of your season or how, how does that work? It, it doesn't Teaching work. other people. Yeah. It doesn't really matter the, the time of year. If we get a request from uh, certain units, we'll, kind of put a pause in our shooting season if if we don't have a match scheduled for like say that week we'll try to go up there and help them any way we can so we're always trying to help anyone that we can get a little bit better at shooting okay do, and does everyone on the team do training or is that just specific people no it's everyone um we'll get requests for specific individuals but we'll if someone does get that request, we'll typically bring one or two of the other guys with us at least, because it's, it's really hard managing 30 people by yourself. So we always want to have at least two people. Now, what's the largest group you guys have had to train in like a mobile training team style session? Um, typically, if it's only a few of us, we, we try to cap it at around 30 or 40 people because that's the absolute maximum we can handle by ourselves. But we've been on other trips where there's 200 individuals with our instructor training group. Sometimes we'll get tasked to go and help them. So we'll do a whole company of people. I was gonna say like from a platoon size up to like a reinforced company almost. Yeah. Okay. All right, so the, these next questions are specifically for Jacob and John. What divisions do you guys shoot in USPSA? Uh, I shoot production and carry optics, and then every now and then single stack, but uh, it's mostly going to be production and carry optics from here on out. Okay. And uh, I have shot production and single stack, but limited is my, my main gig. Uh, I've got a lot invested in limited, so really want to win limited nationals. That's my overall goal. So yeah, limited is, is my thing. So. Okay. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Leo's a big limited guy. So it's fun. It's, it's challenging. Now the, the air force and Navy action teams, they have to supply everything themselves. They have to supply their own gun, their own gear, all of that stuff. Do you, I know you guys don't, but, do you guys use military issue stuff or are you able to use other things that are not military issue? Uh, within reason, we can use whatever we want. Um, our unit is very, very good at enabling us to, uh, to use government issued stuff or, or whatever. I mean, winning is the overall uh, goal. So uh, AMU is very good at being pretty logical with a lot of things. So does that answer your question? It does. Absolutely. Um, now I know the capability at Quantico with the armorers and their build sections and all that. I'm sure, well, I know that 
Benning has the same thing. Do you guys have armorers designated to help you with your equipment? We do. We have uh, machinists and uh, legitimate gunsmiths. I mean, we have an awesome custom firearm shop that can do basically anything we need. Uh, Ballisticians. Yep. Yeah, we have okay. a whole different section for ballistics. I mean, it's, it's a very impressive unit. Nice. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a, a question that I asked both the Navy and the Air Force teams as well, so I'll ask you guys. Do you use Lake City ammo, or are you able to use whatever you want? We, we have a contract with uh, various, all kinds of different ammo. Companies? Yeah. Okay. And how often, um, this is kind of getting into Julie's um, interview again. She was saying that, I asked her specifically, you know, why she got out of the army when she was on the AMU. And she said it be that it, the training became more of a chore and she kind of lost that fun feeling. How often do you guys train and what do you guys do to keep it fresh? You want to answer for me, Charles? Yeah, you can, you can answer on this one, Tyler. Okay. Uh, we try to train every day if possible. Uh, obviously, there's other stuff that we have to do, like typical Army tasks that we have to do. But any day we're at work, we're trying to get out on the range and do some form of training. Um, one of the ways we kind of help break up the monotony is by training other disciplines. So mm. about this time of year, getting into September, October, guys start getting a little bit burned out on doing the same thing every day every day every day right yeah exactly uh, that's typically when we'll start like i want to make gm and carry optics so i'll yeah. go out and train with jacob for a week or so just trying to figure out what kind of drills i need to work on on my off time or at home doing dry fires or something like that and that helps keep everything new and interesting and then when it when my season starts back up again obviously i'll put away the carry optics gun and get back to doing work work okay it's kind of a way that i've found to help break up the, the task making it feel not like a chore but something that i actually want to keep doing well it's interesting so you're not only cross training and disciplines but you're also then training with the guys who specifically do that no. primarily yeah. i like it okay i like that yeah. now tyler I'm going to jump ahead to a question for you then. Obviously, John and Jacob could go out and, and work USPSA stuff together. Do you, is there how many people are on the PRS side that you can go out and train with? So recently, uh, Staff Sergeant Peterson came over and was shooting PRS with me, but now he is going to be our team chief. So we hired another guy out of Texas. He's going to come and shoot. But it's, it is tough on your own trying to figure out how to gauge where you're at, something like that. You know, you, you go out there and feel like you're shooting really well and go to a match and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't need practice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind, it's kind of hard to, um, as someone who has shot long range stuff before, um, it's, it's a little more difficult to figure out that wind call when you're dealing with recoil. So 
you know, you can't always see your the trace of your own bullet. So if you don't hit your target, you may not know where you're impacting. So that right. can be difficult. Yep. So that I'm gonna that leads into my questions for you, Tyler, which is what division and PRS do you shoot? Uh, so I used to shoot open, which is just like USPSA, pretty much anything goes. Uh, recently switched over to the gas gun division because I really like shooting gas guns. And for me, it's a little more practical for the, the teaching side of things. Uh, Staff Sergeant Peterson competes in open, so it made sense for me to switch over to the gas gun division. Now, what, what caliber did you shoot in open? 6XC, and now with the gas gun, I'm shooting 6 Creed, which is essentially the same thing. Okay. All right, do you know who Todd Jarrett is? I know Todd. Okay. And he's, I, I knew John and Jacob did. I wasn't sure of Tyler, but he has recently gotten into PRS as well. He, shot, he just shot some competition out here at Quantico. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah, Doug Caning shoots PRS. Uh, Todd obviously shoots it. There's, there's quite a few. Josh Froelich is starting, right? Yeah, there's quite a few people that are getting into it. It's it's fun. It's a yeah, it's it's growing fast. That's for sure. Yep. Now, what? Obviously, we're our audience listens or does mostly USPSA style pistol practical or practical pistol style shooting. So they're not as familiar with PRS. What matches do you shoot and compete in? Um, really, we try to go to as many as we can. There's not a certain match that I go to every year, unless it's a really close local one. I try to make all the local matches, but um, they kind of change every year. So we try to get as much experience in as much different terrain as we can. So how often do you travel to other places in the country to shoot? Pretty much every match we go to, so eight to ten times a year. Okay. So r roughly once a month then on average? Yep. Sometimes twice? Yep. Okay. All right. And, it, and it's interesting because um, I, I'm going to throw this out there for the audience as a comparison. With the Air Force and the Navy – they get permissive TAD so they can shoot, but they still have to supply everything. You guys are, I, I assume you're giving travel orders so you yeah. can take your weapons and your ammunition, all of that while you're on duty as well. And they're paying your travel and all of that. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've always said, while I was a Marine, I, I have always felt that the AMU has done it right. So you guys are solid. So, Tyler, with your your six Creed, what um, bullet weight are you using on that? Uh, one hundred eight grand currently. Okay. Have you tried any other, and and is that what you came up with as works best for you, or? No, we're just using commercial ammo right now for the six Creed, and so you you guys aren't hand loading anything, huh? We are for some of the open division stuff. We're doing some hand loads for it. But for me with the gas gun, I'm just using factory currently. Okay. Any plans on changing that in the future? No. I mean, unless they give me something else, I'll shoot whatever they give me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Anything, anything that shoots, right? 
<laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to throw that out there for anybody who's listening to PRS. What type of accuracy you're getting out of your gas gun? Uh, currently, I'm getting insane accuracy. I have a gun right now, and I, I don't say this very often, but I would call it a consistent half-minute gun. So. Okay. Now, when you shot open, was that a bolt gun? It was, yep. Yeah. And what kind of accuracy were you getting out of your open gun? Um, just under a half minute, usually. Uh, fairly consistently under a half minute. Okay. All right. Now, Sorry. John, with, John yeah. with, your, with your background, um, have you shot any PRS for the Army? I haven't shot any PRS. Uh, no. What? That's blasphemy. Yeah, I'm just uh, completely engulfed in the, the USPSA. I did just recently get a bolt gun uh, finished, though, at yeah, 308. And I've been, uh, Tyler actually has been helping me out quite a bit uh, in the prone and whatnot. I've been shooting it a little bit the last couple of weeks. I'm really excited about it. But I am going to get to a PRS match with Tyler. Uh, awesome. But yeah, it, it was nice getting back on the gun. It, it, it shoots really, really well. And uh, I'm excited about it. But, but now, for the most part, my, my diet is, is with the pistol. I just I right. really, really want to get nationals. That's uh, one of my big goals. So that's your main focus then? Yes, sir. That's, that's it right there. I was, I was first loser last year. You know, that kind of stung. So I really want to bring the heat this year. So Okay. I like it. Still better than 373rd loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys haven't the... seen that number in a while, but <laughs> like whatever. since you began, right? Yeah. I was gonna say like three years old. Yeah, or that number costs you a lot of appetizers. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So, Tyler, here's the last specific question I have just for you on PRS stuff, um, and John, feel free to chime in. But um, I, do you guys still have the sniper school at Benning? We do. Now, do you ever share information with them and train with them? As often as we can. What about SODIC? Do you share information with them and train with them? Yep, we do. Uh, we haven't trained with them in a while, but we work with some of their teams up there, and we see a lot of those guys at matches. But Okay. We try to share information with our guys as much as possible. So they, they send their guys to matches too, huh? Yeah, well, I don't know if they send them, but some of their guys compete. They that. show up. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Do they share right, up cool. with the, the blurred face thing across their eyes? <laughs> like a standard uh, thing. Funny. All right. So next round of questions. Here we go. This is, uh, I talked to Julie a little bit about this. And as soon as I heard Jacob mention it, I was like, Awesome, because we're going to be getting into this, and, and that's where we're at right now, and that is Lanny Basham. So before we get into all of his mental management stuff, Julie mentioned the stress of having to perform uh, as a member of AMU. Lanny even you know, has told the story about how he was almost cut from the Army Marksmanship Unit. Is it still that same today? Is there that much stress and, and expectation on performance? Um, every, every team has different standards. We have our standards on the action shooting team. 
And I imagine it would be stressful if you were struggling to keep those standards, but uh, John, Tyler, and I, we usually uh, uh, do well at matches, and I don't think we're very stressed about not meeting the standards. Um, so, but if I could imagine if you were close to getting cut off, then that would be pretty stressful. So, I think the, the standards the standards we place on ourselves are probably higher than the gates to stay in the unit. So, yes, the, the okay, on ourselves is much higher than the stress of not performing well. Like we want to win, our guys want us to win. Yeah. You put more pressure on yourself than the unit does then. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. I gotcha. So speaking of Lanny, now, obviously he was a member of the army marksmanship unit back in the day. Um, does, does he teach you guys his mental management system himself? No. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it, there was still that connection or not. Do you, do you guys ever get that training or do you just read the book? Uh, Daniel Horner taught me my middle management program from the ground up. Uh, I owe it all to, to him. Uh, when I first got here, he he uh, he laid the, the bedrock for me for the, the middle management. Uh, he did a really good job with it too. Uh, it's really straightforward. But I, as far as my middle management, that's that's where it came from. Was from, from Daniel Horner. Okay. Uh, Everyone on the team, on the action shooting team, we all want to get each other better. And um, so if anyone on the team is struggling, we'll help uh, talk about their men, whoever is struggling, their mental management, and we'll try and support them with our knowledge. And uh, we're very uh, transparent on the team and everyone basically knows what everyone does. And so. When you get to the team, your mental management comes from basically everyone else. Yeah. And we'll go outside of the team as well. We have multiple gold medal Olympians on the team, so, or in the unit. So, I mean, yeah. we can go and talk to people whose game is more metal than ours. Like, we can go talk to the IR shooter, who I would say majority of their game is metal. So. We have a lot of people in the unit who have really, really good mental games and can convey it well. That that sounds a lot like cheating. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's an unfair advantage. But I will yeah. say they did they did a great job this year at the Olympics. So good kudos to them. Yeah. So Jacob, did you um, you said it it that his with winning in mind helped you a lot. Did you use a, um, I want to say a diary, but a journal? Uh, no, I don't keep a journal. Um, I have goals and stuff, but I don't write them down, but I've never had a problem like uh, not remembering them or anything like that. I know everyone says write your goals down. Um, I haven't had a, a hard time remembering mine because they mean a lot to me. So uh, yeah, I don't keep a journal or anything. Okay. I do, but mine has a unicorn on the front. Yeah. Nice. I was just thinking about it. the only thing I write down is um, 
every time I catch a fish in a different state, I write it down. And if I have a boat, and every fish I catch on my boat, I try and write down to see how many species I can catch on my boat. So that's about the only writing things down that I do. Okay. That's interesting. So how many different species of fish have you caught on your I boat? I was going to say that for later. Yeah. Well, I haven't written down, so I don't have it in front of me. But, yeah. It, that's it, why he writes it down. At least exactly. 20, I would say. At least 20? Yes. Okay. That's pretty good. Digging. All freshwater. When we, when him and I travel together, we we make a point to try and at least catch a fish in that state. Uh, so we we have caught fish in every state we've been to. Uh, we have the telescoping rods, so you can put it in your travel bag. But wow, look at that! I like it. Planning ahead, proper prior planning. That's right. I like it. The seven Ps. So what what are your army goals? Crickets. To stay on the team. Right. Goal stay on the team. Um, get promoted when the time comes is part of the team. And uh, uh, really, my goals are just in military wise, just to be extremely clean and the best at every, everything I go to. Um, about like the schools that I go to, whether it be a leadership school or a different school, I always try and be the best there. Um, and uh, one of my goals is to never have an issue passing like our PT test or height and weight standards. And I've never had an issue doing that. So I do. that's why I'm not in it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also, you know, 80, but it's all good. Yeah. I mean, come on. So, so our, do all three of you want to stay on the team until retirement? Is that? Oh, yeah. I would like to. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. All right. Now, what are your shooting goals? Jacob, it's kind of hard to <laughs> come up with a shooting goal higher than what occurred last fall, but what are your shooting goals? Um. Well, big fall is the world shoot that was supposed to happen the last two years um, and if it happens this next year that's one of my biggest goals is to be the production world champion and then um, after that probably TAC Ops champion if there's a nationals match um, that's one of my goals and then carry optics is I just started shooting that this year some and that's a good goal to win nationals and carry optics and um, so those are my big four goals in shooting. All right. So I'm, I'm going to ask this question right now then before we ask the other two about their shooting stuff. Um, what, your personal opinion, what is the level of pressure going to be at this year's carry optics? And I say that because of all of the shooters that are going to be there shooting carry optics. Yeah, so I'm not going to be able to attend, but the the thing with Max Michel, he's won it uh, ever since it started, and that creates a, uh, a lot of people because hate is going to hate, and so there's a lot of hungry he's people a machine. are working extremely hard uh, to beat him, so uh, it's I'm going to watch from afar, but it's going to be uh, pretty exciting to watch the scores come in because there's a lot of people that are 
are working every day to to get past his level. This, this might be the greatest nationals in the history of nationals. There are a lot of, of high-end shooters out there gunning for that championship. Yeah. Be a big but, sure. but you've got you've got the goat of carry optics that you've got to beat. So it's gonna be interesting. John, what about you? What are your shooting goals other than limited nationals? Oh, that's that is is the main one, obviously. Uh, okay. To get better, there's a lot of I wouldn't say a you know super big goals. There are just a lot of small goals that build up to to winning limited nationals. Um, it's just a personal thing with drills and uh, just getting better on the gun. Never missing a piece of steel for a certain amount of time. So if I train all, you know, uh, if I shoot twenty different steel targets once or twice you know the whole week uh, those kind of goals i call it a kind of a triple charge approach uh, it's small one hour training sessions back to back day after day small ones not big uh, that really helps me a lot real high rep drills uh, but as far as goals women winning limited nationals in the world shoot coming up uh, i'm on the standard team uh, for the u.s so that, that's a really big deal for me i've never been in the world shoot i've never been on the, the world shoot team and now I am, so I want to represent the standard team, you know, really well. I was, it's unfortunate it didn't happen this year, last year. I was really looking forward to that, but hopefully it'll be next year. Or is, it, is it year after? It's 20, I don't know when it is, honestly. Yeah. So. It's November, December, next year, or the next year after that. But, uh, right. I, think it's, I think it's every three years. Yeah, it is. It's probably going to be back to back, 22 and 23. That's my my main gig there is 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 doing that. Um, so last three seasons, I've I've just grown a lot in certain areas, certain targets, and whatnot are just no problem now. So it's it's a lot of mental mental game now. So the, the shooting is there. You just have to be able to deliver it on command. That's that's the hard part. Going back to Lanny Basham. <laughs> Tyler, what about you? Yeah, so like I kind of mentioned earlier, I'd like to make GM and carry optics within the next year or so. That's one of my personal shooting goals. As far as professional, uh, I want to win a match overall in the gas gun division. So competing against all the open shooters and everything like that, I would like to win overall. I got close. I tied for second at a match, but I want to get the, the win overall and then win the gas gun division at the finale this year. Now, when is that? That'll be in November, the first week in November, I believe. It's like the 5th or something? Uh, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah, I knew it was early November. Okay. And where do you guys see yourself in 10 years? On a beach. <laughs> <laughs> Best answer yet. <laughs> I'll still be um, in the... The army, so I probably uh, will be a team chief or some leadership position in the AMU. So. Okay, I'll be I'll be retired. Uh, I would hope so. Yeah, I'll be retired, <laughs> and, uh, living a good life, but I'll definitely still be shooting. Um, not real sure on you know the specifics of that, but I'll definitely still be in the game. 
Olympics. Okay. Tyler? Yeah, like I said, I'll be retired on the beach. <laughs> You're just like, I'm out. Right. Exactly. Doesn't matter. Just somewhere. I'll shoot, but it'll probably be at animals. <laughs> He's going to look like Grizzly Adams with a big old beard. And... Do, you, do you listen to country music? Uh, not too much. Because in the background, I hear Eric Church saying, drink in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't listen to a lot of country music. I'm a I'm a, a hooligan. I'm a huge fan of the Who, but there are a few country rock guys who are who are pretty good, so I can appreciate it. All so, right. Couple- so Tyler, let me ask you a question. So Tyler, when you say you're gonna be hunting, are you looking out towards more like the Montana, Wyoming area, or something like There's that. No that beach There's no Montana beach in Montana, Wyoming. Come on. I feel like we really need to focus on the beach. Part. He said hunting. You can't hunt at a beach. Crap. You're hunting something else. <laughs> it's called <laughs> passive hunting. You put a put a cage out there. The crab just walks in. It's like, oh look, my new house. Then you pull the cage in. You're like, oh dinner. That's called crabbing, not hunting. <laughs> okay, listen, man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not picky on where I'm hunting. Uh, I like going out west. Uh, going on some antelope hunts this year, uh, hoping to do some mule deer and elk in the future. But yeah, I'm not picky on where I go. Okay. Did you do uh, any archery at all? Yeah, a little bit. Jacob and I shoot quite a bit of archery. Yep. Okay. Nice. What do you What do you shoot, Matthews or? I shoot Matthews. Nice. Jacob, I shoot a Hoyt. Okay, very nice. I I shoot a PSE myself, so that's what I got. Ah, see, PSE man, right there. <laughs> I'm balling on a budget. I shoot a mission. Mission's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's made by Matthews. Thank you very much. There's been plenty of deer killed by mission. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And because now I got a bum shoulder, I can adjust it and tune it down without having to put it on a press. So. Cool. Yay me. Yes. Actually, I will have to agree. Missions are actually, I actually have a mission too. I like it, but I prefer the PSE when I'm actually hunting. So, but not a sponsor, by the way. Yeah, not a sponsor. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. That, that's okay. It's all good. It's all, it's all shooting. Now, are you guys distinguished? No. Nope. No. I got some do, points. Do you guys get points in practical pistol for towards a distinguished shooter's badge? No. No. We have to shoot the official like army uh, military pistol matches. So like the NRA matches. Okay. Three points from division matches, but that's it. Okay. Now. Um, I'm sure there are, well, let me back up. One of the things I talked to with Matt Nash about was the future of USPSA and coaches in USPSA. And he could see in the future, um, the sport growing to where there are actually coaches traveling to matches with shooters. What, what do you guys think about that? Um, 
I've seen it before. Uh, some colleges have like small USPSA teams and programs, and the coaches will travel along and try and help out uh, uh, their shooting. Um, and I think as long as you know, as soon as they say low to make ready, if the coach is silent, just like he's supposed to, through the rules, I think go ahead, like bring as many coaches as you want. You know, I don't think it would hurt anything. I mean. I'm Good idea. I've never had a coach in a match like that. Got some really good coaches back here at the range, though, at Krilly. I mean, if you guys want, I'll be your hype man. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you're the best. You're so good. Now go do that thing that you do that makes you that. Like, I can do that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm glad you said hype because it reminded me I had a question for Jacob. How tall are you? Uh, I'm five foot ten and a half. So close. So, so, so basically, so you overcame astronomical odds to win production nationals because you're not over six feet. That's that's right. <laughs> yep. Everyone uh, is taller than me except for pretty much JJ and Sal. So in the production, it is ridiculous the number of giraffes that compete in that division. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to send you guys the form. We've discovered a secret winning formula for being yeah. a champion. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll email it to you. <laughs> yeah. You may need yeah. to start putting lifts in your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, be, like, to do it all the time, to win everything all the time. You know. and, and if you want AMU to stay on top for infinity, then just start recruiting kids from farms who start shooting about the age of four. And are homeschooled. And they're homeschooled. That's right. That's part three. Yeah, that's the trifecta. Farm, shoot at a young age, and homeschool. So it works for the Williams sisters. It works for Gianni. It's uh, it's a winning formula for sure. Yeah, I've actually already talked to my wife about moving and uh, and homeschooling our kids. There so you go. They're five and one. So future champions in this house. Awesome. <laughs> not me. Definitely not me. I'm too late. That passed me by. But that's okay. It's you guys not too late. Any... You and I can continue competing against each other. Yeah, that's not that's that doesn't nobody cares about who buys who appetizers at the restaurant. <laughs> like literally no one cares which one of us wins wins when we're at three hundred and thirty second place. Hey. You know and what? the only people below us are the people that got DQ'd. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm just happy. My first nationals, I told Dave and Huggy this. My first nationals, it was literally a war of attrition. I was just happy. We started with 12 and we finished with four in my squad. I was just happy. I was one of the ones that didn't get disqualified. Wow. That's <laughs> it was bad. That was I mean, 2019. We had a guy whose hearing protection was just an old stethoscope that he had filled with like, foam. Damn, I've, I've never seen that before. It was, I'm assuming, listen, I, I'm Hispanic and I love my people, but I'm assuming this guy was like a Cuban doctor that had come over and was like, oh, that's all I can afford. And he just put foam in an old set of stethoscope and that was his hearing protection. If it works, it works. Yeah, it was great. I mean, that worked. He just got disqualified for, I can't remember. I, th I think he broke the 180 or something. But I remember texting Dave. I'm like, I'm one of four people left. What do I do? He's like, just don't get disqualified. <laughs> it's not that easy. I'm like, okay. So needless to say, I shot pretty conservative at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I just don't want to like, 
have paid a bunch of money to come out here and you know have to pack it and go home. But yeah, so that's those are always my goals. Just don't get disqualified. <laughs> yeah, but see now that we put it out there that you and I compete against each other for advertisers, now everybody's going to say, "Man, who won?" You know. Yes, the 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 one thousand people that listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but I actually have, do have some follow-up questions. Um, real quick before you get to that. Yeah, yeah, area, sorry, go ahead. Area 8. How did you guys like Area 8? A lot of parcels. Very Amy. It was a great match. Yeah, it was very, fun. Very well ran. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was challenging. The uh, You had to use the, the things on top of the slide, the, the notches. <laughs> <laughs> those grooves on top. Yeah. <laughs> I really had to use those on a lot of target profiles. So it was just, it was a great, it was good. It was a great match. Yeah. Uh, Keanu, the match director, that's his style. Yeah. He, he loves partials and all that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, Leo, what you got? Okay. Um, so a couple of sort of shooting related, some not so shooting related. Um, so you guys talked about a little bit. Uh, your off-season stuff, you guys like hunting, fishing, any anything else that isn't going to get you in trouble with the Army that you guys do on your off-season? Like, oh, I go, like, parasailing or something like that. I do a lot of hunting and fishing. Yeah. Uh, we're just, we, we, like, we do a lot of hunting. Ashton's big on some hunting. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I noticed the, the, the deer in the office earlier, but <laughs> whose was that? That was our old team chiefs, Mark Weeks. Okay. <laughs> um, so we talked about this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was with Matt. What would you? Or what are your thoughts on? Because I know you guys with your other teams, you have people like we were talking about earlier that are in the Olympics right now, or that were that are on the team and have gone and represented the country and all that stuff. Uh, and we talked about it with Matt. What would you think or feel about? either USPSA or PRS style events being part of the Olympics. And would you want to be on that team? Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just asking. Yeah, we'd be all over. Okay. I like it. Um, and so uh, what we were talking about before with area eight, uh, we had interviewed uh, Keanu and, and some of the other guys from area eight and, uh, they talked about how they're trying to push a little bit more of an Ipsic style uh, match. Uh, so you guys said you liked it. Do, would that be something you would want to see moving forward in USPSA is a little bit more of that technical shooting? I, I like the big 32 round stages all over the time or place like an area three with open targets everywhere. And I liked the technical matches. Um, uh, yeah, I think we like to see a blend of both. Yeah, uh, you know, a really, I guess you could say, healthy match with uh, right. some hosing stuff, some really hard aiming, uh, and even some short courses that are that are hosey, and then some short courses that are all aiming, uh, and then the big, huge stages like what Jacob says, uh, just a, a, a well-rounded mix of everything. Those are the one of the nationals, basically. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay. That's what we, we like. Uh, I mean, every, every match has its flavor. I get it. But, uh, you know, if it tests the shooter skills, you know, throughout, you know, those are the ones that are usually a little more challenging or may not be. For, everybody's different. But, right. You know. I got you. Uh, um, and then 
I got one specific. I got two more. One specifically for Tyler. Um, so, PRS, you said you shot open and now you're shooting gas, and like that's kind of your goal is to be the overall. Um, is there anything else in PRS or that style of shooting that you would want to do specifically before you, you know, in ten years or sitting on a beach, sipping <laughs> margaritas? Yeah. So I plan on shooting gas gun. Uh, I would like to win the finale in gas gun division twice and then switch to a different division, probably tactical, which okay. is three, or two, two, three only. Okay. It's kind of my, my goal. Awesome. I like it. Uh, and then my final question for all three of you guys, um, and I, it's probably pretty easy to tell one side of the screen was definitely in the military at one point and the other side of the screen, not so much. Um, so, what are your like fitness standards for the army overall and then for are, are there different standards for the team that are higher or are they the same standard i mean you've got the the army standard across the board you know like what jacob mentioned earlier you know you, you do have to stay within a high weight standard just to stay in the army uh, right so we, we have to you know adhere to that uh, but we all have our personal uh, goals to just stay fit for the game okay uh, you know, it helps us a lot to be fit for uh, this USBSA and three gun and even his sport as well. I mean, we do some cardio stuff. We just like to be uh, fit, right? And, uh, be quick on our feet, you know. Uh, but as far as the standards, I mean, AMU does have a, uh, a standard for the PFT uh, to get the black hat, um, but it's more of a, I don't know guys, help me out. Um, so if out of a hundred the army is 60 right yeah 60 points the unit is 70 i'm pretty sure and 70 or so and so it's a little bit higher than the the very the normal um army standard so the army is switching to the acft which is a different test with six um, and so, uh, right now, the they haven't come out with the new unit standard, what that will be, but I'm sure it will be uh, the same or just a little bit higher than the Army standard. Gotcha. Okay. So, none of you are running around with, like, knee braces on and, like, titanium hips or anything? Nope. Not yet. Yeah. Got Ten it. years. That's their goal. Ten years. <laughs> Taking chondroitin and you know glucosamine and all that jazz, keep everything nice and lubricated. <laughs> well, that's what I got. All right. Well, then I got a couple questions. Um, and uh, one, Jacob, I'm going to ask you uh, from last year at nationals. If you remember that one, that big huge stage in the back. Uh, nineteen stage, stage nineteen. Stage nineteen. Yeah. What did you think of that stage, especially the first target that was almost like 40 yards out? Yards. Um, for me, that stage, um, if I remember it correctly, I still had some lead. Um, so for me on that stage, I wanted to get through the stage with no penalties and to like at most not lose more than 15 points because um, if – if I tried to win that stage, that's pretty high pressure. So for me, just like 
stay within 15 points of the top guy. I've got the buffer built in from earlier stages. And so I know I can just take my time, really finesse the trigger and, and hit my shots. And there may be someone that's going to be faster than me on that stage, but I got the buffer built in. So uh, just trying to get through that stage, survive and not lose um, more than 15 points. That was, that was my thoughts on that stage. And at nationals, I think a stage like that is kind of appropriate because um, you want to see the top level at nationals and yeah. that stage is really going to show who has perfect fundamentals. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. And uh, John, what did you think? Uh, yeah, that stage was, was pretty demanding. Uh, I didn't have a lead like he did. Uh, we, we track our, especially in the super squad, it's a lot easier to know who's winning uh, right. throughout the match. So, doesn't matter what stage it is, it matters where you're at, you know, so I can't exactly remember where I was at. I know I wasn't out of the game at all. I was still into it pretty well, but uh, just going in, into that stage, you know, you got that far target, you know, you got kind of a slow start there and you had some steel demands. Uh, I, I wanted to survive and uh, not have any penalties. That's a big deal. Is uh, You got to be clean. And I, that was pretty much my goal going into it. Uh, I want to say I was pretty much top five, top three going into that stage. So mm -hmm. a little pressure there. Didn't want to mess that up, right. obviously. Uh, but lots of fundamental demands on that stage. Match uh, mm -hmm. it on that far target. Uh, it's going to slow you down a little bit. And then uh, the steal there off to the right, I believe, through a port. Yeah. On there was right in the middle of a movement. So it really makes it real choppy. Right. You know? I think you had some partials on the other end uh, were really far as well. Those were actually of more concern to me than that, that really far target that was open out there. Yeah. yeah. That one wasn't all that big a deal. The partials there at like 20 or 25, those are the ones that I focused on. But I, I was clean on that stage, but I know, I think it was Todd, he had the fastest time on Super Squad there, but we were all right there. Um, close to each other, but it all depends on where you're at. Uh, it could be a super easy stage and you really got to push it because you might be behind, you might be above. So it just depends on where you're at. You need, need to know where you're at in the match every stage. Right, right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on that one real quick, Chris. Okay, go ahead. So staying on stage 19 then, that I'd assume your goal would be no penalties and maximum points, correct? Am correct. I right there? Okay. Uh, I would say yes, up until maximum points. Uh, the like 20 yard partial that John was talking about on the side, I'm not going to try and shoot a two inch A zone at that distance. Right, right. And I'm just going to smoke two Charlie and keep going. Right. Um, and choose certain targets where I need to for sure get A's because I know I'm dropping points on these targets. So, but yeah. And yeah, there's certain targets that we can recognize just from training. How long it's going to take us to shoot them just just to have two hits on it mm -hmm. uh, certain partials it, it's the distance and then the size uh, that's what that's where it all begins uh, so you can create a critical target in your mind out here and then when you get to the match you know that one's going to be a little more important than that big huge open target at seven yards so uh, now, both of you guys shot that on the, your third day then correct thanks yes what and we shot it on our second day, and it was during the um, torrential downpour. 
yeah. uh, that they had. So our 45-yard target, which is open and wouldn't have been a difficult target, was now completely covered with plastic and had no shape to it whatsoever. And we had rain going on. Um, what is what is your okay? Let me let me back up for a second. You both were saying no penalties. Don't do anything, you know, to hurt yourself, basically, and keep that same distance with everybody else. What are you thinking right before the timer goes off? How are you keeping yourself in the mindset? Because going back to Lanny, the whole thing is don't think anything negative. Instead of saying, don't mess this up, you're thinking positive things. How are you doing that on that stage in particular? Um, for me, what right before I shoot, I I don't like to take my gun in and out of the holster and play like put the mag in and out and get seven side pitch. I just like to draw my gun, load it, and put it in the holster. And um, if there's like a hard shaded target or something, maybe I'll t I'll take my side presentation. But um, besides that, I like to be very straightforward. Um, and right before I shoot, I'll run through my stage plan and in my head before. I've already um, gotten all of my, I guess, nervousness or doubts out. I use like uh, counter thoughts to get rid of those. So like if I think, well, that target's really hard, I'll think, bef like way before it's my turn to shoot, I'll get rid of that thought by thinking like, well, uh, I've shot paper targets farther and harder than this and I've practiced. I know my gun shoots this tight and as long as I do this, I can hit it. So now I don't have to worry about that. Um, so when I get up to do it right before I start, I don't have any of those negative thoughts and I can just focus on what I need to do. I'll run through the stage in my head quickly um, and I should have no doubts like where I'm like, oh, what's next? I'll just run through it quickly and that boosts confidence and then I just focus on uh, immediately the first target or listening for the beep. That's what I do. Okay, John? My routine is very similar. Uh, I'm a little bit more fidgety in the, in the beginning, uh, but I do. I take my gun out, I load it, and I put it back in my holster, and then I uh, try to mentally go through the stage literally as fast as I can and uh, in my head. And uh, that raises my confidence really well everything is pre-planned down to that place right there where I'm going to be shooting in each spot um, and just executing the plan itself is the main priority and then in the moment of shooting the targets I know what's right what's wrong as far as the gun what uh, the behavior of the gun is, is really key for me shooting 40 uh, there's certain ways the gun can react in relation to the target I'll know if it's a miss or not instantly um, so that's kind of my routine. I'm pretty simple too, like Jacob. I don't like to, to really go into things in the moment when, when he's about to hit the timer. I'm pretty low key. It's the first target is what I'm thinking about. And I am listening for the beat uh, to initiate that draw. And that's when everything just plays out the way it was, it's supposed to. Um, so very confident on anything. It doesn't matter the stage, doesn't matter the targets. Once I got my plan, I know I can hit all the targets, so what else do I need? You know, just some aggression. That's it. Now, both of you said you run through the stage really quickly in your head. 
What does yeah. that mean? So that, that takes out any doubt, any sort of, it's a confidence booster. Because him and I have already walked the stage, we've already got our plan on our own time uh, during the walkthrough, and we've ironed out anything we want to change or anything like that. Uh, once I have a plan at that moment, when the timer's about to go off, I'm going to do that plan. Um, so if I can run through it really fast, that's reassuring me that there's no, no hesitation. I know where all the targets are. Uh, the last thing I want is to be mid-stage and not know where our target's at. So, you know, we really want to iron that out to the point to where it's, it's just natural. You come here and, and the gun just goes to that target, hit a load, whatever the case may be, everything is, is planned. That way I can focus on the shooting itself uh, and hitting targets. You know, if it's, if it's an easy stage, you know, then it's all aggression. You know, how, how hard can I dig in and move? How fast can I pull the trigger? If it's a hard stage, I want to feel the trigger. I want to make sure the behavior of the gun is on each target shot, uh, stuff like that. So I want to focus on hitting the targets well. So if I can run through it fast, then the plan is a piece of cake. Okay. So it's your plan you're running through real quick in your head. Correct. Okay. All right, Chris, what you got? Oh, I was... Well, I didn't ask Tyler, and Tyler's been sitting back there, so I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been patient. So um, now the question is to you, Tyler. Uh, were you there, and uh, what did you think of it? I was not there, so okay. I. <laughs> he did not think much of it. Okay, so that's <laughs> so that's why Tyler's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, I actually, if if you don't have one, I actually do have another Tyler question I well, thought of while they were talking. Well, ask another Tyler question, but I do have other questions. Okay. So this, this is the last one I got. Um, so uh, we've talked about this before, going from open to gas. Are there significant training differences when you're switching from one platform to another for PRS that you have to take into account going from those two different platforms? Uh, not significant. There's small stuff like... With the bolt gun, you always have to move with your bolt back. With the gas gun, you have to put it on safe and verbally yell safe. So that's something you got to kind of train in, but it doesn't take long. Um, it's just a, a different platform. Like it recoils different. It'd be like going from a revolver to a single stack. Similar round count and everything, but totally different operating system. Okay, cool. So, but like the fundamentals are still the fundamentals. It's just those minor things. So there's nothing like a wide gap of training that you have to account for. No, just like everything else, put the sights on and break the trigger without moving them. That's right. Well, there you go. All right. All right, so here's, a, here's another question for you. Uh, I know you guys talked about 3Gun and USPSA. What would you say you have more fun at? You have more fun at a USPA shoot or would you say you have more fun at a 3Gun shoot? <laughs> uh, so for me, this may be, it may be different for all of us, but I have more fun at a three-gun match. The stages are usually uh, longer, uh, more involved, there's more uh, physical aspect to it, like if you're running a three-day stage, uh, and then the challenge of you know, figuring out your slugs and your bird shot and what choke you to use for your shotgun, and then trying to remember which isn't very hard, but like your holds for a long range stage, what like mill line you got to use. Right. And 
and then for pistol, like when you're going to switch to your heavier pistol loads and when you're going to reload, and what it's going to take to get a 100-yard gong target. So all of the, the aspects of that, uh, for me, make it more fun. Okay. And uh, what about you, John? Uh, obviously, three-gun, in my opinion, is a lot more demanding than, than USPS. Uh, you're doing a lot more shooting, a lot, a lot, a lot more different skill set. Uh, but as as far as fun, man, that's hard. I've, I've shot both. I've shot a lot of three gun and a lot of USPSA. They're both a blast. I really enjoy both of them. Uh, USPSA is a lot more technical. A lot more little tiny things matter um, with pistol, but with three gun, it, it's really easy to have a good time at three gun. Uh, very easy to do that because I'm, I'm a big fan of shooting the rifle. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The long range aspect of three gun is really cool to me. You go get up in some crazy position and shoot a bunch of steel way out there. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, I mean, wholesale probably easier to have a little bit more fun with, with three gun, to be honest. Okay. okay. All right. Tyler, same question. I'm going to have to agree. Three gun is probably the most fun. There's there's just so much going on in three gun that it it's never the same thing. Right. Okay. stages and it's never going to be even similar. Um, awesome. All right. So uh, here's a question, and I'm not going to ask you know particular brand or anything like that, but footwear. Do you guys like prefer prefer like a boot or a tennis shoe or like a cross trainer or like a hiking type style shoe, what do you prefer? Personally, I like to wear uh, a baseball cleat. It's got just enough ankle support, but it's not like over your ankles like a football. Right. And then I, you have to find a pair that has very like super soft rubber mm -hmm. because a lot of baseball cleats are hard rubber. Right. So you can find, and like maybe in plastic sometimes. So finding a very soft, rubber baseball cleat that's my go-to shooting shoe okay. okay i just like it lightweight and comfortable uh those some three gun matches i shot where I, you, you almost needed to wear boots and i did okay. i uh, real lightweight boots and they, they helped a lot but uh for uspsa just a a, a comfortable lightweight shoe what i tyler so, so not necessarily like a, a trail shoe or anything like that just a standard tennis shoe Oh, it's something with a little bit of tread. Uh, okay. Running shoes, probably not so much, but like road running shoes, I wouldn't use those. But, the, you know, a little bit of tread and uh, just lightweight is my thing, not heavy. Okay. All right. All right. Depending where we're going, if we're up in the mountains somewhere, I'll wear some form of boot because a lot of times we'll have to run through some pretty rough terrain. But um, I like over the ankle shoes with some good tread on them. Okay. Very nice. Hold on a second, Huggy. Let me interject because I have a question to piggyback on what you were asking. Okay. <laughs> Since you guys, uh, unlike the other military teams, they're only on permissive TAD orders. You guys are actually going to be on travel orders. Um, you're on duty. So you're still representing the Army. Um, do you guys have any competition uniform restrictions, things you can't wear? And you don't have to get into specifics. I'm just curious if they're like limit you or is it is it goes back to if it's going to help you win, 
then where? They'll buy us pretty much anything we need as far as clothing, our uh, competition uniform stuff. So we are required to wear our branded uniform. So they'll buy us everything from shoes, pants, jerseys, jackets, everything like that. So okay, we typically wear whatever we're issued. All right. Cool. So um, here's another question. Um, does the Army allow you all to, like, we'll say coach slash teach outside of the Army? Mm. So if, you know, say, for instance, I'll just say me. If I'm like, hey, I want to get some, uh, some training and get some more experience, you know, could one of you all say, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you at this range, blah, 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 and a teach you. hawk. <laughs> Huggy's always trying to set up a date. I don't know how this happens. But. Uh, yeah, it's always <laughs> awkward. Uh, can we meet up on practice school? <laughs> I think what he's asking is outside. Can you do outside employment type stuff while you're on active duty in the Army? Uh, yes, we can. Uh, but there is a memorandum uh, with our unit that we have to get approved. Uh, once that's approved, yes, we, we can do that. But, uh, All right. That's pretty cool. When we get off, when we stop recording, Huggy's probably going to ask for y'all's numbers. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just asking. Out what are you guys free? <laughs> All right. So earlier, when you guys were talking about you know Lenny Basham and the mental game and everything like that, when you're shooting and you like just you happen to have a bad shoot, you just was like, now do you just kind of like wave it off and go like okay that's over it's done with on to the next uh next stage we're going to get them in the next stage here or do you like get together and discuss about it talk about it you know to figure out what the problem is how do you prepare yourself when something like that happens um i think it might be a little different for all of us but for me i if i have a mic or something during the stage um, I kind of give myself like a minute or two minutes, like up to five minutes to be like all upset and get those emotions out. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to do anything like stomp around or be upset, but in my head, I'm going to be all pissed off. And, but then after that, um, uh, you can't take it back and you earned it. So right. you've got to continue with uh, your plans and you have to know deep inside that even though you had that bad stage, there's still a really good chance uh, to win. So uh, okay. nobody's perfect. So We need to pause. Jacob, um, I was watching some of Production Nationals being live streamed earlier this year. And if I remember correctly, you had a stage where you had a reload not go as smooth as you would like. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. I went to load and I hit the uh, the back of uh, the the bullet, the next one up, and it sh like half loaded forward in the mag as I inserted, and it got stuck in the gun and locked it all up. Yeah, and that was the stage where after that there's there wouldn't be enough points available in the match for me to even get close to winning. So after that, that one was pretty rough. Okay, but so. But let's, I would like to expand on it. Let's say that's day two at Nationals. Let's say that's the last stage of day two at Nationals. So you still have a day to go. 
what how are you strategizing that or, or what are you doing in order to compensate for that so what I'll do is I'll figure out how many points I'm back and I'll look at the stages uh, available next and I'll try and find anywhere that plays to my strengths um, and I'm gonna go hard on those and then in smaller stages um, I'm gonna choose uh, where I have weaknesses and stuff like that I'm gonna try and just run the line there but you're back and you only have one day left so um, you really have to make up ground and it all is kind of situation dependent but you just basically make a plan on which stages you're gonna go for it and uh, you have to just try and execute that last day but definitely go walk the stages and figure out you know where can I take more risk to get more time? So, yeah. and it okay. usually involves shooting on the move or shooting targets way farther away. So, it's not easy. Yeah. I can imagine. So, do you, uh, do you, John? Do you feel the same way that Jacob does when uh, you have, you know, a mic or, or, or something of that nature? Yeah, so I, I will immediately try and figure out how bad that hurt me. I tend to be a bit of a realist sometimes. Uh, so, you know, my thing, his is five minutes, mine is the next stage. You know, when I get to the next stage, it's got to be all washed out. It can't be, I can't be, you know, all poopy about it at the next stage. Because then it's going to hurt my next stage. So by the time I get to the next stage, I'm, I'm over it. It's whatever. Uh, but I'm going to know how bad it hurt me. And it may be only, you know, five points. It might be three points. Uh, I want to know that. So then it's going to characterize how, I'm sh how I shoot the rest of the match, uh, depending on how the next few stages go, obviously. And if I'm, you know, the match is almost over, uh, we're, we're, we're turning it up. You know, what, I, what am I going to lose? So, right. uh, yeah, I'm going to go fast as I can go on a lot of targets that I wouldn't shoot that fast normally, uh, stuff like that. But... As far as making a mistake, you know, we're going to make it. So you do have to kind of manage that. You can't let it go to the next stage because then it's just compounding from there. Uh, I try not to do a lot of negativity, even when something like that happens. You know, I don't, you know, oh, it's all over now, you know, but yeah. you know, points it may indicate that it might be. So. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult, like Jacob said. It is. So, Tyler, do you feel that? Do you feel that, or had the same thought pattern too? You just like let it go to, the, or at the next stage, you're like, okay, it's over and done. What are your thoughts, also? Yeah, I'm similar to Jacob. I'll take a couple minutes to process it, and I always try to learn what happened. So, I don't keep a journal, but I keep all my matchbooks, and so on. Something that I say I blew a stage, I'll write down what went wrong, and then when I'm done with the match or getting ready for the next match, I kind of go through it and look at, try to identify any trends where I was lacking in the skill set, and then I'll focus on that for the next match. Okay. All right. Hey. If I, that's a good point, Tyler. So if I, like in Area 8, you know, I, I missed a couple steel, you know, there when I, I should have hit them, so... I'll come back here and, and shoot still the same exact target uh, excessively and just kind of go over what that looks like some more. So I'll take that from the match and 
do that here. So whether it's a partial or a, an entrance or whatever. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Speaking of, uh, you brought up a, the segue into the, my next question, the matchbook. When you guys, when uh, a match comes out and you guys are have the availability to the matchbook, do you guys uh, try to set up the the uh, the stage and practice at them? If you if you see like, oh, this is going to be a difficult stage, do you guys try to set those up to kind of work on your on your, your game before the competition? It. It depends. Uh, not really. Uh, what I do from the diagrams or the, the matchbook is see what kind of targets they showed us. So if the flavor of the match is lots of partials, then I'll, I'll go shoot the partials. Uh, gotcha. but if it's got a lot of steel, then I'll go shoot a lot of steel. I wouldn't say we set up the exact stages. Right. Yeah. The only time I think we would try and like recreate uh, a target would be like if they had a mover that look like excessively hard, not just like your normal swinger. Uh, right. we get up, maybe practice something like that. Um, but besides that, yeah, we just get a trend, like John said, maybe there's a bunch of partials and practice the trend. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. So at area eight, it was pretty hot. What'd you think? Very hot. <laughs> uh, I mean, it would have been hotter if they were at Benning. So, <laughs> I, I don't think it bothered them all that much. Ah, okay. All right. Well, I know I shot on Sunday at Area 8, and the humidity was through the roof. And, I mean, I could, I was drinking as much water as I could uh, to stay hydrated, but as fast as it was going in, it was coming out. Of course, I'm a fat kid, but, you know, <laughs> I sweat a lot more. But I was just wondering with the heat and everything, did it uh, – it didn't affect you, obviously, like you said, because being bending is hotter than being up here. But do you ever see that sometimes the weather uh, playing into your uh, or playing against you or anything like that? Or does it affect you at all? Uh, the match schedule is what determines it with me. If it's a half day match, uh, I don't focus on it as much. But if it's an all day match like Area 8 was. Yeah. I know that I'm going to have to push some calories and uh, kind of maintain an energy level. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I'll be, you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, you, anybody's going to start getting tired. So I, I really want to start pushing some, some sugar and some energy there throughout uh, early in the morning, especially that way you don't get behind. Once you're behind, you're already screwed. Right. Uh, you want to just kind of keep pushing it there. But if it's a half day match, uh, it's not too much of a concern with me, uh, but every every system's different. But uh, I just know if it's a, if it's an all day match, I'm just I'm gonna have to keep eating. Right. That's that's how I address that one. Okay. okay. Is there any particular uh, foods that you all say, hey, we're going to be carrying this with us to kind of help us along during MREs. these? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that way, everything stays in until the end. Right. Oh, yeah. So, is there anything that you guys like? Say, hey, we're going to be carrying this with us, and we're having it's an all-day match. We're going to eat this. Is that what you guys do? Versus, like, oh, they're going to have a barbecue truck. We'll just go get some food from there. Uh, we, we both carry food with us. Uh, all kinds of different stuff. It kind of changes sometimes the matches, but uh, you know, some with some sugar, some with some fat. He likes some, some different stuff than I do, but uh, basically just 
some damn food, you know. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes yummy. <laughs> yeah. Back on what you said earlier, like, did the hot weather affect us? Like, not as bad because we live in a hot climate. But last year uh, at Area 2, like, you got to have hand warmers um, when it's snowing. Um, so it was snowing on us and it was freezing cold. So, like, having a hand warmer for both hands and then, yeah. um, you know, some guns don't run really well cold, so a lot of people put hand warmers in their magwell um, to try and keep their gun up. Uh, I don't know how well that works, but uh, I only had two hand warmers, but you got to have that. Some people are using now, it's like a battery that has a little heater in it. Mm -hmm. so it's like a hand warmer that isn't chemical that will break open in your pocket and right. that black powder. So uh, just something to keep your hands warm more so than clothes. Cold. Oh, yeah. I will have to say Leo and I experienced that one time. We shot a competition and it was in the snow. snow. Awesome. At, at Shadowhawk where Area 8 was. It was amazing. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to the point where literally I could not feel my hands and I'm like, oh, my God, this I hope I'm really squeezing this gun. I felt like I was in a John Woo movie. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, and then and the sad part was I cracked open one of those uh, hand warmers. You know, it's like you just shake up, like you said, the chemical one. You shake up and it's supposed to warm up. Yeah, it didn't warm up until the end of the match when I got in the truck to leave. And I'm like, oh, now you really want to work now? Well, yeah, it's bad luck. <laughs> it's because his meat hooks are so big, though. It's just the bigger. Yeah, it's it's genetically, it's very odd. <laughs> So anyway, that, that's all my questions I have for those guys. So, okay. Unfortunately, now we have they've triggered some questions. So, Tyler, I have two specifically for you. Do you keep a physical data book on your gun? Uh, yeah, I, I have a little notebook that I carry around. Anytime I shoot, I write down all my holds and everything. I do that one to kind of fine tune my kestrel because that's my primary ballistic. Okay. Easy kestrel, and two. If my kestrel does go down, like I have years of written down stuff, and it kind of identifies trends at different ranges. Now, so let all right. So that that's going to bring up another question then. Um, as John can attest to, I kept I kept a data book, whether it was uh, for the high power team or or the other stuff I was doing. So I could go back and know exactly what my gun was going to do, regardless of the weather. Like I knew if there's a 20 degree change, high or low, then I knew this is what my gun was going to do. Things like that. Does the Kestrel track that accurately? It does. It's 2021, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have been holding off on okay. old people jokes all day long. Thank you very much. I'm usually the one that opens that, that floodgate. Dave, you're old. <laughs> I have not used the Kestrel, so I figured I would ask. Now, they're, they're super effective. They take into account everything. Temperature, humidity, DA, everything. So... Mills or MOA? I use Mills, Mills, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, John, you use Mills also? Mills, where it's at. That's just where my head's at. I just, yeah, grew up on Mills. It's got to be Mills. I like 
Mills Mills oh. or Mills MOA? Mills Mills, Mill Radical Mills, yeah. Mill Turns. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm old school. I still prefer Mills MOA. Mm -hmm. And I can do the math rapidly in my head. So it's actually it's really good. annoying sometimes. He's like, oh, it's this. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not a freaking math wunderkin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, John and Jacob, uh, Julie shoots a lot of Bianchi style stuff. Do you guys ever shoot Bianchi-style movers where they're actually moving, not just swingers, bobbers, but the target's actually moving miles per hour? Uh, I, I shot the mover uh, a couple years ago over there on their range on that that target. Uh, but no, I wouldn't say we shoot it regularly. Yeah. Our, our team, the action shooting team, we don't shoot Bianchi. Um, the service pistol team that works for our unit, that's their, their whole um, job. So... Uh, yeah, they'll shoot all that stuff, and we'll shoot all of our stuff here. So, okay, Tyler, do you ever just shoot movers and long-range moving targets? Yep, almost every I'll be a mover. So, we, okay. We now, for the three of you, um, I I always look at certain weather conditions as being an advantage for me because I know there are certain weather conditions that people don't like to shoot at. Do you guys ever look forward to certain weather conditions? You're like, okay, not only is my shooting level up here, but now I've got these weather conditions, which I prefer, so I can maximize everything. Uh, yeah, I would say I prefer sunny and 75 degrees. Yeah. That would be my perfect with, with us. Well, in USPSA, a very slight breeze, but in like three gun PRS, no wind. So, yeah. Okay. I'd say All my right. weather conditions would be the same as, as Jacob's. <laughs> yep. Now, Tyler, what about you? Because weather can really affect that long range stuff. Oh, I'm with these two. <laughs> All the top guys are going to be about the same as far as calling wind. So, so sunny, 75, zero mile per hour wind. I would prefer uh, a little overcast. But yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. And no mirage, just perfect. Yeah, boil. Yeah. There you go. All right. That's all I've got. Well, gentlemen, we, we greatly appreciate you guys coming on. Is there anything you want to add or uh, anything you feel you need to clarify? Um, if you want to join the Army, just go contact your local recruiter, um, and they'll get you hooked up. All right, there you go. What is it, like goarmy.com or something? Uh, I think it's just army.mil, maybe. Just okay. put it in Google Army, and it'll pop up. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, again, Dave, it's 2021. I think you just say Army. Alexa will figure the rest of it out for you. <laughs> Never met her. <laughs> she doesn't live in my house either. So. Well, gentlemen, again, we appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, I didn't expect you guys to be on this quick after Area 8. Jacob gave me the information on Friday, and here you guys are today. So we greatly appreciate your time, uh, and we wish you guys the best, and hope you all meet your goals. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy it. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you again. No problem. Take care, and uh, at least, Jacob, I'll see you at Nationals. All right. All right. See you guys. See you.
until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>